0: From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio, At the George Washington Broadcast
1: Center. Jack Armstrong. I can change a diaper with one hand. That's the back, Jack. And Joe Getty. Joey Baby. I love, you. I love you. people. Armstrong and Getty. But I know this. They're loco. So it's
0: a hustle.
2: Yeah, it's a hustle. And now. Here's Armstrong and
0: I thought we were playing a joke, didn't I? Number Number three? Clip three? No. Three?
2: Three? Perhaps in a different language. Tres. In
0: Arizona, two teachers who are husband and wife were fired after students found their OnlyFans account. They would have been sent to
1: detention, but that's actually how one of their videos started.
0: No. The world of OnlyFans is something I don't know anything about. I hear about it. uh, Pops up in the news now and then, but I don't know much about it. Is it as big as it seems to be, or is it? Oh, it's huge. Is it? It's huge. Yeah. Yep. many millions of dollars being made naked pictures and that sort of thing are i just but is the, the i don't get the supply and demand ratio is there enough demand for every average mom school teacher whoever to put naked pictures up and make any money
2: yes <laughs> well Let's... again the the mystery is not uh, i think the mystery is how do you not get that? It is self-evident. It is surprising. I will grant you that.
0: But, but it's just like, it's like your, um, uh, TikTok facts that you had a, a couple of weeks ago, that the average person spends 80 minutes a day on TikTok. Well, yes. I spend no minutes a day on TikTok, so somebody else has to be doing twice as much, right? To get to that average, or, and I think that's true with lots of people. Same with OnlyFans. I've never spent a second on OnlyFans, so for it to be that profitable, there must be a lot of people that spend a lot of time looking at second grade teachers and librarians or whatever uh, naked on TikTok, on uh, OnlyFans.
2: <laughs> well, I think the appeal of it, and I've never spent a second on it myself is that you have a connection, even if it's not much of a connection. I mean, there's uh, the girl in the magazine, the classic example, or, or the uh, mattress actress doing some sort of porn scene or what have you. There's no connection whatsoever. But on OnlyFans and similar things, you can actually communicate them with them in real time and or message or, you know, you're a
0: member, and there's, there's not much of a connection. It's a little sad, but... You know, it depends how you approach it, I guess. And then from the attractive woman making money standpoint, if you could get past the ooginess over it, and I would think it would be quite oogie. But so you're a above average looking thirty eight year old mom, and I gotta just lay on this <laughs> bed and look alluring, and I can make you know uh, the, the the weekend going out with the girls money.
2: Okay. Well, if or if you're thoroughly average looking, but willing to really you know get up close and personal with the camera,
0: yeah, that will that, and, and get your kink on. Yeah, well, okay. So you think they might get some enjoyment? Not just cash; they're getting some enjoyment out of it.
2: Well, no, it's mostly cash, I would suspect. Mm. Although, I suppose some women and men, because there are plenty of men on it, too, enjoy that. But it's such a lucrative business. I, I do things. I have done things I didn't particularly enjoy for money for many hours of many days. My life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So I came across this uh, this article in The New Yorker, and it it shocked the heck out of me. It's a review of a book, and the author is of Native American origin. And he's talking about reading uh, the the classic uh, Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee, which has sold millions of uh, uh, copies. It uh, appeared in
0: 1970. I read that as a child and was brutalized by it mentally, emotionally.
2: Yeah, it talks about the incredible era of violence, greed, audacity, etc., when the American Indian was destroyed between 1860 and 1890. And the author mentioned that he read this and readily accepted the version of history promoted by that book, That Native American history was a litany of abuses, disease, slavery, warfare, dispossession, forced removal, the near extermination of the American bison, land grabs, forced assimilation that had erased our way of life. And yet my culture and civilization didn't feel gone. When I looked westward and back in time, I couldn't help think uh, that Brown's historical record, he wrote Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee, was incomplete, that the announcement of our collective death was rather premature. And then he gets into this, uh, this author whose name I cannot dream of how to pronounce. He's a, a Finn author. It looks like Hamilainen. So I'll just go with hamel Uh He boldly sets out a counter-narrative. In its opening pages, the Helsinki-born scholar at Oxford, who specializes in early and indigenous American history, maintains that the America we know was, in its borders, shape, and culture, far from inevitable. Even after the so-called colonial era, tribal nations often played a determining role in American history. In his view, we should not speak of colonial America, but of an indigenous America that was only slowly and unparalleled unevenly becoming colonial, and recognized that the central reality of the period was ongoing indigenous resistance. He mentions in 1776, European powers had claimed most of the continent, but indigenous people controlled it. The Euros claimed territory, but they couldn't go there. Sure. Yeah, that's Instead interesting. Of the for- Instead of the foreordained story of decline and victimization, Himalayan wants us to see a parade of contingencies with Native nations giving regularly, giving as good as they got or even better. The result, he promises, will be in North American history re-centered on Native people and their own overwhelming and persisting power. Like treaties, though, scholarly promises have often been broken. Will he be true to his word? And we don't have time for this whole thing, but it's so interesting, and it covers some ground that we've talked about a lot through the years. For instance, throughout his roughly chronological work, he stresses movement. Tri- tribal travelers crossing the Bering Strait during last ice age, then around 11,000 B.C., uh, traveling an ice-free corridor, or other migration in boats, and lots and lots of it. Uh, then he spends the opening pages detailing the rise and fall of early empires in the Southwest and Midwest in particular, a distinctive pattern of simultaneous centralization decentralization, wherein these these kingdoms would conquer each other, and decentralize or and then they'd come together in big cities. In fact, at its peak in the 10th and 11th centuries, about 40,000 people lived in Cahokia, which is the present day St. Louis. About 40,000 people. It took seven centuries before North America saw a, saw a more populous city, now that's, Philadelphia,
0: in 1790. That's a stunning stat right there. That yeah. is a stunning stat.
2: The biggest city for seven centuries was uh, a, a native uh, town. Then he goes into the climates and the ice age and the warming, that sort of thing, and... uh uh, it wasn't. uh Oh, his broader point is that long before the Europeans arrived, the peoples of the New World didn't inhabit the stasis of the traditional account. <clears throat> they weren't, you know, peacefully hunting the, the deer and living in harmony and, and drinking rainwater from leaves and that sort of thing. They were at nearly <laughs> constant war uh, and change. Sure. By the 16th century, around 5 million native people had inhabited or made use of almost every part of North America. The usual story depicts them as dwelling in harmony with one another in the natural world in some cultural and ecological Eden that was then torn apart by Europeans. In fact, as Himalayan shows, they manipulated nature, rerouting water to create gardens in the desert, Uh, domesticating cultivars through seed selection, and they projected power, sometimes in violent ways, subordinating or being subordinated to their neighbors. They didn't live in harmony. They lived in history. That's one of my favorite lines. Yeah, Um, that is good. Then he goes into the initial settlements of the New World that uh, the native ones would just wipe them out whenever they felt like it. They only allowed them to exist if they felt like allowing them to exist. That's what they I wonder. They were firmly in control.
0: Yeah, I, I mentioned I'm reading this book about Jamestown with my son. And yeah, clearly the Indians, the the, the that first settlement only existed because the Indians thought there was some benefit to them. Um, because otherwise they could have easily d- d- devastated them. And in the completely inadequate amount of time we have
2: left, I'm not trying to say that there was no ugliness or or violence perpetrated against the Native peoples, but that it was a back-and-forth thing for hundreds of years.
1: Armstrong and Getty. tika.com Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty I got my sexy pants on. The Armstrong and Getty show
2: The New York Times with yet another review of the tragic learning loss during the Unnecessary school shutdowns, and I'm not talking about it first. I'm talking about after it became infinitely clear that the schools could be open, the schools in the red states were open, the private schools in the blue states were open, and all of Europe's schools were open, and yet the teachers' unions kept them shut down as a bargaining chip in the U.S. Anyway, there's no need to go deeply into this. Uh, Fourth and eighth graders recorded sweeping declines, particularly in math, uh, eighth graders falling in 49 out of 50 states. Nine-year-olds lost the equivalent of two decades of progress in math and reading, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Then they get into the fact that the declines were much more starkly felt uh, among uh, black kids, uh, Hispanic kids, lower achievers, etc.
0: Well, that's shocking. Nobody saw that, although everybody knew that was going to happen. Everybody right. knew that was going to happen. And
2: it did. And uh, the folks who tended to be higher achieving, whites and Asian students, lost much less ground than those uh, lesser achieving students. Um, but nobody wanted to talk about that at the time except us. So we will move to this. Piece of writing by Roland Fryer, which I found absolutely brilliant, as did some of y'all. Uh, Mr. Fryer is a professor of economics at Harvard and a fellow at the Manhattan Institute, founder of Equal Opportunity Ventures, and a black man, as will become clear from the text. Do we have time for this? Yeah, we'll, we'll make time. He writes, I was raised in part by my paternal grandmother, a phenomenal black woman born in 1925, who came of age during Jim Crow attended Bethune-Cookman University in the early 40s and experienced both the promise and limitations of the civil rights era when integrating schools in Florida in 1969. Listen to this now. You want a description of the the pre- and barely civil rights era in America? She did her best to teach 6th graders subject-verb agreement minutes after being spat on by their parents. Wow. Integrating the schools in Florida in the 60s. Picture that for a minute. Her life's journey provided unlimited content as we sat together for nearly three decades, stuck to the plastic slipcovers on her sofa, playing cards, drinking sweet tea, and talking uninhibitedly about race in America. Wait for it, folks. It's coming. Uh, The first discussion I can remember happened in 1988. I was 11. visit to McDonald's after ordering. My grandmother paid with a crisp $20 bill from her pocketbook, and the cashier put the change directly on the counter. When we got to the parking lot, she was incensed. You see that white woman didn't want to touch me. I'd noticed it, too, but I thought the cashier was being nice, trying to avoid passing on her own germs. My grandmother, no doubt based in part on her experience, saw racism everywhere in every iniquity, in inequity, every statistic, racial differences in wages, racism, racial differences in an educational achievement, racism, racial differences in teen birth rates, racism. This sort of casual empiricism, which has crept back into mainstream media and other institutions, was a competitive sport among my family and friends. Did you see the way that white woman tightened her grip on her purse because I was behind her? Does this guy follow everyone around the store? Etc. Etc. And then he gets to the gist of the uh, of the piece. A decade after the McDonald's incident in graduate school, I read a 1995 paper entitled The Role of Premarket Factors in Black-White Wage Differences. This was a nationally represented sample of thousands of 14 to 17 year olds. And these two scientists, economists, Derek Neal and William Johnson, um, who estimated that blacks earn between 35 and 45 percent less than whites on average. And what they did in this paper was they examined how much of the wage gap could be attributed to present day discrimination in the workplace versus differences in skill as measured by the Armed Forces Qualification Test, which is the cousin of, like, the ACT and the SAT. Importantly, they weren't trying to measure the effect of America's racist history, running back to the early 17th century, da-da-da, nor did they focus on prejudice more broadly. They ignored that my grandmother was spat on in the parking lot at work and concentrated on whether she was treated fairly once she entered the building. We find, they wrote in the abstract, that this one test score explains all of the black-white wage gap for young women and much of the gap for young men. With their approach, anti-black bias played no role in the divergent wages among women. Uh, in fact, black women with the same qualifications as white women made slightly more. And it accounted for, at most, less than a third of the racial difference among men, with 71% traceable to disparate performance on that achievement test. Um the paper felt like an attack on what I knew, an assault on those conversations with my grandmother. It taught me that racism, present racism, dictated black-white inequality. And I'll skip ahead a little bit. His writing is beautiful, but I'm looking at the clock. Um... And I vented. He spent all of his time trying to find flaws in this paper because it so went against his worldview. I vented about my battle with Neil and Johnson, a fellow graduate student at Penn State, a white guy from the cornfields of southern Illinois. I went to a school with a bunch of people like that. He was no more at home in a top 20 economics doctoral program than I was. We spent a fair amount of time together during our first year. Uh, blah, blah, blah I told him I was sure discrimination was a bigger factor than they were letting on, and I just can't get this data to cooperate. That's why I was so convinced, and I erupted in a rant about the prevalence of racism and recognizing bigots on sight. My grandmother would have nodded rhythmically along. My friend responded with a burst of loud, sharp laughter in my face. He pointed out how far I was straying from all of the principles we talked about all the time. How on any other subject other than race, I would have never given in to such sloppy thinking. His point is... Hmm. He says, I write this with some degree of trepidation, in part because I still have my grandmother in my ear, in part because I'm keenly aware of the harm in underestimating bias. Fair enough. But there's also a cost to overemphasizing its impact, and this is where it goes from really interesting to brilliant. A black kid who believes he will face daunting societal obstacles is likely to underinvest In trying to climb society's rungs. Every black student in the country needs to know that his return on investment in education is, if anything, higher than for white students. Investing in education for young black kids is the most important, best thing they can do. They get even more out of it than a white kid. The solution is neither to stop fighting biased behavior nor to curb honest inquiry about race in America. We shouldn't stop searching for and penalizing discriminatory employees or employers and trying to reduce racial differences in police brutality. goes in the list and it's all legitimate. Everybody deserves their full human and, and constitutional right. Uh, I could go on like the conversation stuck to those slipcovers, but the solution isn't to look away from discrimination. It does exist, but we must all, we also can't point at every gap in outcomes and instantly conclude it's racism. Prejudice must be measured rigorously, statistically. Disparity doesn't necessarily imply racism. It may feel omnipresent, but it isn't all powerful. Skills matter most. How great a message would that be? to filter into the schools and the, and the living rooms and the streets of America.
0: Well, I wish he Education could, means everything. Get it. I wish he could go around to various neighborhoods and schools and urban areas around the country and give that speech, because I think it would be helpful. I don't suppose it would be real popular.
2: Yeah, he's got to be about as popular at Harvard with that thinking as, you know, I don't know, as a Shapiro at Evergreen College. There's a guy who's not very popular. Right. Super unpopular guy. (laughs) (laughs) That's great stuff. Really good.
1: Armstrong and Getty. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty.
2: But resist,
0: we
1: must. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
0: So this story is happening all across the country. This particular version out of New York. the, the, The decay of civilization. I can't believe it's happening. Uh, I've watched the videos. You've seen videos like it. Shoplifters running amok in high-end New York City stores as security is told not to touch the thieves at all. So these are some of the most expensive stores in West Village and Soho in New York. And they've got the videos here of them being robbed blind over the last couple of days. Uh, use the example of Lululemon. I have some Lululemon pants that I really, really like. In fact, the Wall Street I- Journal declared them the hot pant the other day.
2: I had not realized that till I saw the article that they have some pants that are pretty good doppelgangers for dress pants that yeah. are the super light stretchy. Uh, I wear them all the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're pretty cool.
2: I got something similar from, I think it's LL Bean, uh, but they're not like, um, they, they couldn't pass for dress pants.
0: Anyway, Lululemon, expensive store. Everything's expensive, and you go in there with a with a giant trash bag, and you start clearing off the shelves. You're going to get a lot of money. A few thieves made off with about thirty thousand dollars worth of stolen wow. goods from the Lululemon store the other day. The gang robbed, uh, grabbed clothing and other gear, stuffed them into sacks, walked nonchalantly by the security guard, and you're watching the video. You can see it. Who appeared to, on video to do nothing to stop them because they're told not to. One man carried. a So huge I'm
2: sorry, I've got to stop you there. In what sense
0: is that person a security guard? That's the same thought I had when I read this article. Why? I mean, you're losing enough money already. Why are you paying the security guard? How about you save a little on the security guard on that salary? Because if they're not supposed to do anything, <laughs> let me, let me, let me try this on you. They walked with the
2: merchandise nonchalantly past the deep sea diver,
1: <laughs>
2: past the lion tamer, past the world's tallest man i mean he's not at all tall but he's not
0: at all a security guard so describe him any way you want yeah and i was actually wondering so are they there to stop people just on the other side of me because like i wouldn't steal even if there were no guard no locks on the doors no cameras i'm just not a guy who's going to steal but is it to just stop that person that just might steal but the security guard stops them but it isn't gonna help with the, the the actual hardcore criminal. Is that it? Well, clearly, although given the
2: willingness of quote unquote hardcore criminals to do their thing, coast to coast and, and in the Midwest as well, something's gotta change in well, but, a hurry. Or be no stores left.
0: We've been ta- <laughs> right. We've been talking about this and so when we found out, geez, I don't know, five, ten years ago, when we started getting emails and calls from people that would talk about, oh yeah, there's a guy that comes to the grocery store and he picks up a twelve pack of beer and just walks out the store every day. We're told not to stop him, and and we would say, well, if if, if people catch on to this, what is going to happen? Well, I think people right. have caught on. Well, I remember I you around. said that. You said that, and I said,
2: hey, give me a bottle of scotch.
0: <laughs> The word got around that no, yes. they are actually not supposed to stop you. So yes, you can just walk right out the door. A number of security guards and managers at ritzy stores in the area told the New York Post this week that it's impossible to stop thieves like the Lululemon gang. Manager at uh, some fancy Didn't, store. It used never to heard be of. impossible. No, no. I always think about my uncle who was a bank manager. Who uh, they, their bank got robbed uh, in a small town Iowa, and the bank robber ran out of the door. And my aunt, uncle actually ran down the alley, caught the guy, and sat on him until the police arrived. That's the way you used to handle things like that.
2: Well, and I totally get the expense of uh, of uh, adequate security. I mean, if you have like th- three, four young tough guys who are intent on doing this, it doesn't matter how serious or dedicated your one security guard is. That's not going to do it. But if it takes, like, a tax or something to get enough cops or enough security to end this S now, sign me up. Or, or the- quit wasting my tax money on th- that crap
0: that doesn't do any good. Let's enforce the freaking law. Uh, this manager at this fancy store said she and her sales team don't detain people who sneak out with clothes or shoes or even challenge them. We don't what do you confront. mean sneak? They did it openly. Their policy is, well, yeah, but it grew over time, right? right. You know, it went right. from you put it under your jacket to, hey, did you hear? You don't even have to do that to, to just, like, you can wave to them and say, taking my beer now or my clothes and walk out the door. Because right. the yeah. policy is, quote, we don't confront, we don't follow, we just let it go. That's the policy. Wow, yeah. and they're stating that to the media. <laughs> These are odd times. A security guard. Again, that's a. That's an interesting term. A security guard. What are you securing? Your salary? Call him a sea lion. He's every bit a sea lion as much as he is a security guard. <laughs> a security guard, like many who spoke to the New York Post, sounded defeated. There's no sense in stopping people. You don't know what they're going to do. Not only that, everyone is insured. Whoa! I do not want the guard that I just hired to say, you have insurance. Oh, boy. Uh, not anymore. Signed every insurance company. Right. I wondered about that, too. I thought or the, I'm wondering what's going to fix this. And uh, maybe that's it. Maybe the insurance companies are going to force the change by saying, look, we have to see you making an effort to stop this from happening or you are not yeah. insured. You are not getting yeah. your money back. You are on the hook for all of this. And that'll happen in a hurry, too. You know, What's I'm reminded to? of
2: uh, some of our carping about Cal Unicornia uh, decriminalizing crime up to $1,000, about $1,000. Um, the modern uh, smash and grabbers, the shoplifting gangs are saying, yeah, that's, that's cute. We openly steal $30,000. We don't care about that either. They won't stop us. They won't arrest us. On the off chance they arrest us, they won't try us. On the off chance they try us, they're not going to jail us because of COVID or something or progressive criminal justice reform. So explain to me again, talk show boy, why I wouldn't steal tens of thousands
0: of dollars. Right. Because it's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Call your security guard a sea lion or whatever you want to call them. Sure. We got a bunch of good texts on the whole shoplifting thing. Maybe we'll do that uh, some other time. But it's the idea that you can walk into stores pretty much anywhere in the country. It's just that much of the country, either people aren't craving enough or they haven't caught on to the fact that you can walk into a store, grab as much stuff and walk out because nobody's going to stop you. Or you'll get your ass kicked. Try that that in, in Eagle Pass, Idaho. Give that a try in Abilene, Texas. Huh? Anyway, you got this text. The store is required from... I ask if anybody knows anything about this. The store is required by their insurance carry to have security guards. But then another part of their insurance restricts security guards from touching shoplifters for fear of lawsuits.
2: (laughs) Oh, Their theft insurance and their liability
0: insurance are at war, right? Yeah, exactly. That is kind of hilarious. Anyway, complete change of pace as I came across this story. More women are getting designer genital surgery. Oh, I saw that. You know why? Because of the rise of extra tight leggings, a plastic surgeon says. Mm. The surgery known as labiaplasty shrinks the size of the labia minora. That's a pretty name. And the labia major. Yes, major. Uh, the, I'm oh, not going to get into that. On but, a but summer's even, night, if you look to the
2: southeast, you can see
0: the labia minora and majora. This plastic surgeon said he did twice as many in 22 as he did in 21, and it was around the whole leggings thing, so I don't know.
2: Wear less tight leggings. I know you want to. I want to wear those athletic fit shirts, but I don't. You know why? It's not right for my body. It's okay. The difference between you having a happy life, ma'am or miss, and an unhappy life. Is not whether you can wear leggings so tight around your groin that I can see
0: the shape of your genitals. That's not the line between happy and unhappy in life. Uh, my genitals and my entire lower body were at risk last night, so I went to the. Uh, we went over to the school and played another game of how close can you get to the wood chipper? I know that's your favorite. Me and the boys and we had a ball. We were kicking the ball around and shooting baskets and a variety of things. And Sam's riding his scooter and Henry's riding his bike. And uh, what what did we do first? Anyway, we got doing the the fantastic slow motion stuff that you can do on the iPhone. So man, I would have loved that as a as it's a young boy. Oh, videoing each other, huh? That, oh yeah, in slow motion, yeah. it would have been yeah. the greatest. Anyway, oh, Sam I would have, have had even more concussions and accidents than I had. Uh, Sam was, uh, doing various stuff. He's pretty good at scootering, and he, Henry was laying down because he was tired. <laughs> he takes that from his old man. And, uh, and, uh, Sam said, I'm gonna jump you. And Henry said, no, 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 I can do it, blah, blah, blah. I said, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll lay down and you jump me. And, um, and so <laughs> he's gonna jump me on his scooter. And we decided just the lower from the waist down. So he's just gonna like jump over my shins is what he was gonna do. Me laying flat down with my legs up. Mm, still potentially crippling, but okay. I see your point. <laughs> and uh, Henry was going to get the slow motion video. And uh, I've st- I've been watching Sam Scooter since he started it, and he's he is really good at it. But you know, there's always the possibility of a miscalculation. And I said, yeah. if you're if you're coming toward me and you're not sure you got enough speed or whatever, go ahead and bail out. <laughs> but anyway, I laid down, and uh, Henry had the video camera out running, and Sam went and foo, over the top of me. And I got to admit that while I was pretty confident. Right when he was coming close, I thought, damn it, this is going to hurt if he doesn't either <laughs> leave early enough or take out too late, or whatever happens. And uh, so he cleared me, but then we watched the video and he he really jumped too late. I mean, it was just the tiniest amount that he cleared me. What do you suppose that would have done to my shins if he had hit me full on at 20 miles an hour? Well, I think you would have learned which one's the tibia and which one's the fibula. And
2: and what modern technology can do for bones that are in four pieces. And got to meet some fine ambulance drivers. Armstrong and Getty.
3: perfect home
1: sweet home. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot com. Jack Armstrong
3: and Joe Getty. i forewarned you. Let's go, Brandon. The Armstrong and Getty
2: Show. Uh, instructions and rules to teach your son. I saw it build as what fathers should teach their sons. I remain committed to the idea that the best scenario, not always possible, but the best scenario is for a boy to have a strong male role model.
0: Absolutely. freaking lootly. And anybody who disagrees with that is a it's fool wrong.
2: or just a, a wrong, unable to come to terms with their own situation. And you plucky single moms whose rotten husband flaked or whatever, uh, you're doing your best and God bless you with you 100%. But it is less than ideal. And I think in an honest moment or after you've had 10 drinks, you wouldn't, you would agree with me. <laughs> I mean, if we're going to get after it, let's get after it. Uh, number one, never shake a man. And these are not in any particular order. Never shake a man's hand
0: sitting down. Stand up. That's a pretty good one. Yeah, that's interesting, but it's good. I had that situation just the other day and I thought I should stand up, but I'm kind (laughs) of (laughs) tired.
2: You know, I will, I will tell you also uh, by preface, as I should have earlier. Um, these range from the incredibly important and touching to the amusing.
0: God, I did that just yesterday afternoon and afterwards I thought I should have stood up, but it was, it was honestly because I was tired. <laughs> this one's just funny. I did it don't in front ten. of my own son. Okay, we we'll oh. yours.
2: You did the opposite. Of what yours? I did. To. I, s- I, I
0: I modeled sitting down to shake a man's hand. The man at the barbecue grill is
2: the closest thing to a king. Do not challenge him. Do not correct him. Respect him because he'll spit his dog or? grill. <laughs> it's his grill. In a negotiation, so, so don't stand. Yes? Okay. Don't
0: stand next to the guy flipping the burgers and say, "I think." It- I think they're ready to come off, aren't they?
2: You're going to get scalded by a hot spatula. You do that in my house. That's how I deal with that.
0: Oh, my God. You're a psycho. Honey, we're leaving. Now, now your face is medium rare. Barbaric. Oh, my God.
2: We're not going to get through many of these. <clears throat> he scalded me. We're leaving.
0: It'd <laughs> be a good reason. You're a lunatic. <laughs>
2: What, what? what? You, yeah. you, 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 you backseat grilled. You told me how to grill. So I Did you. That's, it's, it's, everybody would do it. This is pretty good advice. Having studied the art of negotiation through my adult life, in a negotiation, never make the first offer. The, the point being that that pegs the negotiation. You know where they are. Uh, and if it's like way low ball, you know, you can try a high ball and then walk away or they might. Say a number that's beyond acceptable to you,
0: and you can then see how far you can push. Boy, I had a good situation with that the other day, and we aren't going to get through these, but we're in no hurry. Um, with my kids in the, uh, they, they were with me, so I bought this motorcycle, I bought a used motorcycle, and uh, the guy had list had it listed at sixty eight hundred dollars, and um and uh, I I was on the phone with him as we drove over there, and I said, um, how about sixty five? And he said, all right. And uh, I got off the phone with my kids, and I said, did you see how long that took? I said, uh, uh, Tim, the salesman who Joe and I both know, this was his quote that always stuck in my head. You never lose or make money faster than when you're negotiating. It's impossible. It's right. impossible. I made $300 in a half a second there. Yeah. And, yep. uh, I told my kids that you just, there's that money changes hands so fast when you're negotiating. It's, it's shocking.
2: This is funny. This is funny. The next one, request the late checkout. i i always tell judy no we'll just get a late checkout she's like oh well i don't know if we should ask and i'm like no i'll call if it's not a problem they'll say go ahead
0: and 95 percent of the time they say no problem you're right and i'm with judy i'm you're absolutely right i've never had anybody say no ever but i have a guilt feeling about it it's weird Mm. i don't know where it even comes from the rules say 11 Really should get out of her There's no good reason for it. And the room was
2: really expensive, so let me stay another. It's a negotiation. I'm always courteous and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to be really rushed to get back from a meeting. Would it be a problem if I checked out at 1? And again, sometimes they'll say, oh, gosh, later than noon would really press us. And I'll say,
0: okay, I'll make it noon. I say, I can leave here at 1 with a clean carpet, or I can lean here <laughs> now with a real mess to clean up. It's your choice. That's what I say.
2: We're taking a look at some of these rules fathers need to teach their sons. Uh, They range from the lighthearted and amusing to uh, just absolutely
0: great. Um, I'm going to tell my son today. Remember yesterday when that guy came by and shook my hand and I stayed seated? That was not right. That's not what you should do. I got to tell him that because that was a bad move on my part.
2: Mm. When entrusted with a secret, keep it. That's a good one. It's absolutely true. I had a tough one the other day. Um, it was just a so friend good. told, well, a friend told me something in confidence about his health. Mm. And, and I, I, I am very good at keeping secrets. It's, it's locked away for good. And a mutual friend came up and he had like three quarters of the story and said, Hey, do you know what's going on? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and he, he, he cares about this mutual sure. friend. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, hell, what do I do now? Play dumb or that? Nah? Anyway, uh, let's, uh, hold your heroes to a higher standard. In other words, pick your heroes carefully. Mm. Okay. Make sure they're worthy of your admiration. I like this one. Return a borrowed car with a full tank of gas. Wow. Well, that's funny. This... Somebody told me that a long time ago. I do that.
0: This was written back when gas was like $3 a gallon. No, it's completely different times we live in.
2: <laughs> is it or is it more important, you weasel? I'm sorry. Weasel was out of line. I apologize.
0: No, So you borrowed if you borrow somebody's vehicle, you're at least a it, mink of a man. If you're borrowing a vehicle from someone to use it. Oh, that makes sense.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Return it with a full tank of gas. It's just a nice gesture. Uh, I like this. Play with passion or don't play at all we Talking about the bedroom, or well, you could be, I suppose. It's a sports, I think that sort of thing. Mm. When shaking hands, grip firmly, look them in the eye. That's uh, that's right at the top of the list. Sure. And you know, a classic. I meet somebody who doesn't, I immediately judge them harshly. God, who did I meet the other day? And I probably not wouldn't... permanently,
0: but initially, right? I met somebody the other day. Uh, I can't remember, I wouldn't say even if I did remember, but it was somebody like important and powerful. And had the super limp, barely touched my hand handshake. I thought, wow, that's interesting.
2: Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I like this. It's more a saying than advice. But don't let a wishbone grow where a backbone should be. Mm. Don't be wishing. I'll have to think about that one. Another one just worthy of a second. If you need music on the beach, you're missing the point. Ah, <laughs> good one. That's not advice exactly. let uh, Let's see. Uh, you marry the girl, you marry her family.
0: That, well, well they, sometimes. That's, yeah, yeah, that's just... The... Yeah. Be
2: like a duck. Remain calm on the surface. Paddle like crazy underneath. That's
0: good. Quack at appropriate times.
2: <laughs> Eat lots <laughs> of lettuce. <laughs> Experience the serenity of traveling alone. Uh, I love You've that. done that a
0: fair amount. A lot, yeah. yeah. Well, back, back before I had kids. Almost never now. Uh, never be afraid to ask out the best-looking girl in the room. That's a good one. That's one I wish I had lived my whole life. Oh, if I have any regret, regrets on my deathbed, it'd be that one. Yeah. Be, be be bold. You know what? You will lose. You will be embarrassed. Just do it again. Mildly. And
2: you'll be rewarded. Mildly embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, a couple more. Never turn down a breath mint. And try writing your own eulogy. And never stop revising it. That's a good one.
3: Annuity designed for women's unique retirement needs with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. GameBridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at GameBridge.io. Visit GameBridge.io/ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.